Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome to another special episode of Think Peace podcast. Uh, we're going to do a couple offshoot episodes here, focused on the decade in which we were born, the glamorous decade of excess known as the uh, 1980s. In some episodes we call Everybody Must Get Stonewashed, uh, after my jeans, of course. Gentlemen, uh, how are we doing tonight? Great, man. Hell Inspired by those stonewashed jeans, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Hell yes, we are. Hell Satan, indeed. Hell Satan. So uh, we want to welcome in our listener, or maybe listeners. Aaron, welcome. Joining Carol Weber in our cadre <laughs> of, uh, of loyal listeners. Um, welcome to my co-host, Dave and Brennan. Christians, atheists, Satanists, pagans, red-blooded Americans from all over the interwebs. Uh, all of the above. Tonight... We are going to talk about uh, something that, you know, I, I feel like we've we've talked all around religion and we poke fun and we do all sorts of different things. And uh, now we're going to go full on anti-religion tonight and uh, talk about the thing. Hey, speak for yourself, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, this is a religion. Um, and, um, you know, we're going to talk about Satanism. So... This episode is all about the satanic panic of the 1980s. Um, so for a little bit of background, grounding, um, Satanism, like true Satanism, the Church of Satan and the, the branches of that uh, started around <laughs> 1966 uh, by a guy named Anton LaVey. Um, and basically the Satanists believe that like Pleasure should be your pursuit. Um, they believed in like the utmost version of social Darwinism um, that there you shouldn't be a conformist, you shouldn't be spiritual, uh, you shouldn't feel guilty for anything. That equality is a misnomer. Anything that takes away from your personal pleasure is wrong, and uh, you should fight against it. And they're non-humanist in the sense that they don't put humanity above anything; they put themselves above anything. So true Satanism. Um, is just complete selfishness. If you go by and uh, the the sa satanic Bible, which was published in 1971, um, but I will I will little put known fact: uh, the uh, 1966 San Francisco Satanic Revolution was the summer of Satan, and uh, next summer in San Francisco, summer of love was a just a direct reaction. To that, um, and the whole hippie movement started from Satan. I just made that up. <laughs> I was just about to say. I, I was just saying. <laughs> I was just. It gonna, sort of made sense. I was. I was going to ask if you could source that for us. That's great. So thank you, Satan. <laughs> pretty good music. Yeah. Yeah, just made that up. So so let me let me ask you guys real quick because I feel like when we uh, when we hear. I don't know, Satanist or devil worshiper or something like that. I, I, I feel like that's a lazy term. Um, and people aren't really talking about Satanists or devil worshipers. It, it's, it's another name for otherism, like non-Christian or non, uh, non-religious, uh, in a lot of ways or pagan, or there, there are many other things, religions that are non-Satanist that I feel like fall into that category. And it's as lazy as 
the, the political equivalent almost of saying you're a communist or you're a socialist or you're um, a fascist. I was I've, been the same thing. I've been called these things. <laughs> but no, I mean, but yeah, the people in your mind, it's something different than what it really is defined as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, right. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Like, so just when you hear the word like, um, you know, satanic or demonic or um, uh, devil worship or anything like that, are you thinking, are you all thinking like what, are, what, what, what goes through your head? First impressions of just the word and the phrase and, and the connotations of that. To me, it's I'll like, a shot. Oh, go, go ahead, Brian. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's fine. Good start. Uh, um, no, to me, like it, like immediately, just like has a, a humor to it. I don't take any of that shit seriously. Uh, I think uh, who's the founder of Satanism? His weird name that I mentioned earlier, Jason. Uh, yeah, Anto- he, he has Bay. this like satanic little look to him with his widow's peak, and he, yeah, Anton. Yeah, so, Ant- Anton and, LaVey. You know, he looks like this stereotypical devil um, that uh, that you would like conjure up from the '60s with a goatee and a, the tiny little weird horns. Like it's already not serious in my mind. Like um, and like the Church of Satan uh, has like a completely a serious vibe to it. They're really just poking fun at uh, people. So like for me, it doesn't even have like bad connotation. It's it, it has like uh completely uh humorous non-serious uh uh i i don't know uh satirical uh vibes to me immediately yeah it's funny i until you sent this topic like for some reason like that word it just doesn't feel as it doesn't feel like a word that is used nearly as often as it used to be and right. so i there's I kind of have two schools of thought on it. So the first is like probably informed by some of the stuff we talk, we'll talk about, but like the caricature of it, like the image of like the exorcist are being possessed and like your eyes are rolling in the back of your head and you're spinning around and you have to like throw up something, you know, or I feel like it was always associated with, with uh, like a metal, like heavy metal or death metal or something like for whatever reason that was always like linked in my brain. But honestly, I think what I think about most was... Also, not a serious word. <laughs> no, not serious at all. I, I feel like when we were like early teenagers, probably at the end of like seventh and eighth grade, maybe at Agnes, it always reminds me of like like Bernie Harold or somebody would always sort of make fun of this stuff or like sort of yeah. pretend like... And it was always such a joke. Like it, it was never anything that I took seriously or thought was a real thing. Like people like him would just mock this shit and in a funny way and they'd rent those like jason you're probably a part of that like renting like silent like deadly Night. i just think of those like ridiculous movies <laughs> like it was a joke even yeah. when we were you know i don't know 13 years old or whatever I, I absolutely remember me bernie uh david kaiser chris harberg all got called into the principal's office for desecrating our bibles there was like yeah, you know yeah upside down pentagrams <laughs> on them yeah, like, cool. like, I, I remember it at agnes as like and, it was like a kind of a rebellious joke yeah know, to talk about it but so. but not like you know there was definitely people uh mags kaiser um and, and some others that were uh definitely mutilating some animals and doing things that would um pro- 
<laughs> probably foreshadow uh, the, the trajectory of some people's <coughs> lives, but they, um, there was never, never, even with the people that joked around about that stuff, there was never like legitimate actual, like, Hey, let's read up about Satanism <laughs> or let's, let's perform like a ritual where we sacrifice something to say, like the yeah. idea of it was almost mocking. Wow. They were mocking both things almost right. like you're mocking the Catholic faith, probably in some aspects, like the face in the Bible, but you're also sort of making fun of these people maybe who were taking this shit seriously too, the, <laughs> the whole Satan stuff. So I, that, it right. seemed like a joke to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, well, the three of us have, haven't been into like any level of dogmatism for quite some time. <laughs> uh, that's, that's for sure. So they both kind of suck really. Yeah. Yeah. No. That, and that's, that's a hundred percent true. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not coming at this from a place of like, I, I guess the funniest thing to me is wh what, if at all, was the substance like why did it start so i think that the articles that we read um give a little bit of insight into that so we'll talk a little bit about the the history sort of what led up like why did everything come to a head in the 1980s i guess is my question and why did people start to freak the absolute fuck out and i think it's confounding factors like multiple factors adding up um the vox article hinted at most of this stuff and i thought they did a pretty good job on that um but you know I, I had this conversation with Sarah, not about, um, we have listened to that stuff you should know. And it was probably about a year ago, but I had this conversation with Sarah, you know, all these Netflix shows, um, are, are coming out about all these, uh, different serial killers. They have Manhunt and they have Mindhunter and they, oh, have, yeah. but like in the 1970s, serial rapists and serial killers were fucking everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like it was yeah, man, insane. Stop it, them either, man. It, yeah, it, it was a good run. They had, yeah. they, they had no idea. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when we talk about the '80s and like why this stuff sort of started to come to a head, there, you think think for a second about the the decade they're coming out of. So you've got Ted Bundy, David Berkowitz, uh, the Night Stalker was in the '80s, the actual Night Stalker, uh, the original Night Stalker, which is later the Golden State Killer. Um, yeah. Um, he is in the 70s and into the 80s. The Alphabet Killer, the Hillside Stranglers, plural. Uh, the Green River Killer started in 1980. Uh, the Zodiac Killer, Dahmer started in the, in the 70s. Uh, John Wayne Gacy. So all of these people, oh, yeah, and David Berkowitz I already mentioned. But all these guys in the 1970s and like notorious names, which most people our age, when you say one of those things, they might not immediately be like, Oh yeah, the serial killer. They'll be like, I know that name. Why do I know that name? Um, and so, and, and, and we weren't alive in the seventies, but we know who these, like for whatever reason, we know, uh, these been, names. They've been glorified. I mean, but, but our, yeah, our parents were like kind of coming of age in a certain way sure. at that point. And then they had us in, uh, 1980 and, still remembered all that shit right uh, absolutely like you said, compounding compounding factors as well so so we're coming out of that area where like it was unsafe the certain it felt unsafe even if even if like the chances of you getting killed by a serial killer were still way less than your chances of being killed by covid uh then 
people were still way more scared of that than they are of this for some reason, you know? Um, so to add to that, so on top of the serial killers, you've also got, starting with the Mansons in the 60s, the Manson family in the 60s, you've got this onrush of cults that, you know, kids are kids, teenagers, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters are joining these cults. Um, People's Temple, uh, which is Jim Jones, which ended in the late 70s with, you know, close to a thousand people committing mass suicide by drinking Kool-Aid somewhere in, I don't know, uh, Central America. Guiana, I think. Yeah, Guiana. Yeah. Didn't they buy yeah. property somewhere down there? Yeah. Um, then you've got the Rajneeshis in Oregon. Uh, that was in the early 80s where they like took over a whole town and like I brought all these Great people. documentary on that, by the way. I haven't yeah, seen that, so. but uh, while I was- Pretty good. Uh, yeah. Oh, you gotta watch it. The wild, wild country. It's great. Um, so, the, and the, and then you've got Heaven's Gate. Um, <laughs> so, like, you know, when we think of uh, of cults, and also uh, Branch Davidians started in the seventies. Uh, Koresh was like an offshoot of the Branch Davidians. Uh, he's probably the most famous of them. But you've got all these like well known. A branch of the Branch Davidians? Uh, yeah, <laughs> if you will, a sect. Uh, yeah. Or was that Branch Davidian, the branch? <laughs> got a branch on a branch. Oh, yeah. man. That's we're, we're, we're a bit of Davidians ourselves, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, would say I, I hereby announce you part of the Davidian. Yeah. Uh, I'm sect. I'm, yeah, the sect Davidian. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice ring to it. I mean, you, you are on here with two ordained universalist ministers, Brennan. That's true. Yeah. God, what was I thinking not having one or both of you guys marry me uh, <laughs> back eight years ago? Uh, You're probably thinking about like to... your mom's reaction to uh, some sort of heathen. There was some like... guy I found on Craigslist with uh, <laughs> like Harley Davidson tattoos all over him. Like, I shit who married me. Like, uh, why, 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 I just could have had one of you guys do it. It would have saved me a hundred bucks. <laughs> oh well so, yeah next time yeah <laughs> next time that's all right haley's not a listener I've, I've 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 looked at our demographics they're not nobody's listening in denver uh oh really we, <laughs> I listen to the last one. i'm just i'm just kidding i have no idea i, thought Haley did. <laughs> I i've looked at zero <laughs> i'm i'm joking 100 percent. i have no idea how many people listen to this shit um so dig into that metadata, man. I want to know. We got <laughs> sending it out tomorrow. Uh, sure. We got serial killers in the seventies. We got cults on the uprise. You got Anton Lavey publishing the Satanic Bible. Um, you've got music, Kiss, Black Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne, Alice Cooper, uh, ACDC, Judas like, Priest. Um, all sort of feeding. Joke, joke, joke. Kind of a joke, joke. Like. <laughs> right, but all feeding into this. Some good music. Yeah. this occult uh you know sort of meant uh, thinking um you've got the exorcist the book in the movie uh coming out um the rise of popularity as a result of the exorcist of things like the ouija board and then later of games like dungeons and dragons that are mystical and fantastical and you know maybe deal with wizards and warlocks and stuff like that um are any of your kids named after Dungeons and Dragons characters or anything like that? Uh, mine, no. Uh, if Sarah had her way, yeah. maybe. Uh, <laughs> but, but but no. Um, 
No, Lily and Fox. Uh, yeah, I mean, they might as well be. They might as well be Dungeons and Dragons characters, right? Something like it. I mean, they're 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 not Christian. As far as I know, they they're, are. They're, they're not <laughs> yeah. Christian names. They're pagan names. Let's be serious here. They're they're more an homage to the earth and to the universe than uh, they are to uh, any deity um, or any book about a deity. So yeah, sure. <laughs> they're Dungeons and Dragons characters. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> So then you have the flip side of all this. So you've got all this stuff coming out that could, but but you need still the engine, I think. And and this is where, I, it, to me, it gets to, to what I remember and what I think probably you all remember the most. So there's a rise in Christian fundamentalism during this time. So you got people like Jerry Falwell. You've got these televangelist preachers that are becoming more and more Jim popular. and Tammy Faye. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Um, I sinned. I'm a sinner. <laughs> um, yeah, we fucking know. <laughs> you also start to have <laughs> a shift in news coverage, and all of these local news stations, when something small happened, they were incentivized by the the, the larger network if a story went national. So the the want to like blow a story up into something national became huge. And so these local news stations, local newspapers were that, that was what their editors and, and their producers were pushing upon them. Like you need to go follow these stories and you need to make it something that the national network is going to want to pick up. So we get this sensationalized journalism begin, not to say that it wasn't at all sensationalized before that, but there's a push towards that during this time yeah. as well. Um, and I think the last thing, and I think this is, uh, you know, I, the more I thought about it and the more I talked about it, I, I, I think that this has to be a huge underlying, definitely not uh, spoken about, but definitely has to be a subconscious reason for the fear of parents. And that is, you know, the recession that started in the 1970s and went into yeah, the early 90s, really, um, forced a lot of parents to both have to work. More kids went into childcare. Um, and that uncertainty of like, who am I leaving my kids with the rise of the latchkey generation where kids are coming home and they're not coming home to a parent necessarily. And like, what are my kids doing between the hour of three 30 and five o'clock or whatever, like that, not knowing, not having a parent there, even if the parent, like the kid was going out and playing from three 30 to five, like the parent being there was, I don't know, was something. Um, and so to me, as much as anything else that probably fueled that paranoia as much as any of these other factors, the fact that they weren't going home, staying at home with, or going home to necessarily a parent or a, a caregiver, but like they were a latchkey kid or they didn't know they were just sending their kid to daycare. Like who are they with? Um, I think those, those things all played a factor, you know, as well. Um, thoughts about any of that stuff, like can, the context and contributing factors. Do you guys think I left anything out or uh, anything else to add in on that? Well, I think that the, um, you, met, you mentioned the media and we kind of dove into that, but you know, it was a time when you know, cable news was coming online as well. Um, and the uh, rising popular like magazine news shows or whatever they called them back then like 2020 hard um, copy give, you know, inside guys, edition i mean before there was clickbait that you know there, there was kind of that right they had to sensationalize these uh you know uh, you know 
potentially benign stories into something that just grabbed attention then so yeah like Geraldo Rivera and his, yeah uh, Phil Donahue ridiculous Mario Povich Phil, Don- Phil Donahue who I met one time when I was hammered um <laughs> uh got got his, got his autograph on an id book that i had stolen from a bar to attempt to make fake ids true story uh, <laughs> oh, that's great um, yeah uh and yeah man so like just the, the rise in kind of like the need for sensationalized journalism to you know sell ads essentially um and and you know, they, they, I hit the nerve, obviously, because it hooked a lot of people, right? I mean, they got people tuned in to see, you know, Haroldo, uh, you know, interview of whatever it was, possessed guy or some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that, I think that rise in like media sensationalism contributed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, Dave, I think one of the, I think you hit on something important too, Jason, about, um, a lot of households with two parents working and kids either being in daycare or at home by themselves. And I think there's probably some element of the, and I'm not saying it's uh, fair, but I think the reality is people felt some guilt about that. So when you probably have that underlying emotion and then these stories are sort of out there, I think that's just a recipe for people really clinging onto it and saying, oh shit, this is something that I'm already a bad parent because I'm working, I'm going to damn sure make sure this doesn't happen to my kid. And I'm going to tell everybody about what's going on and make sure that, you know, people are aware. And again, I think we'll talk about parallels to to what's happening now, but I think you need, you need people like televangelists saying, Oh, there is evil out there. So you need me. There are a bunch of cultural things going on that it's in people's minds. There's a media that's amplifying it, but you need those people who aren't necessarily the people starting the stories or even the ones that are the true crusaders, but when they hear it, it really strikes a nerve. And that's when these things take off. And I think it was all those things combined. Yeah. Uh, but I, <clears throat> I echo both of what, what both y'all said a hundred percent. I think that there, it was a, myriad of factors that contributed to this and and it all just sort of came to a head you know that underlying guilt paired with being at work pairing with not know with what's going on on top of that the generation or the decade that you just lived through saw all these terrible things that were played Some out on real national demonstrated TV. evil yeah. i mean yeah, yeah. Was, well, that's that, not a and hoax you know? I mean, that's and, real. and again the the craziest thing about this you know and, and we'll come back to this um is that the lack of physical evidence in all these cases. Like when you see the Manson family, there's no doubt about what happened. Any of these serial killers, there's no doubt about what happened. Um, but this, just this idea that like, we think that it happened and we want to make sure that it didn't happen. So we're going to like, <laughs> we're, we're just going to run wild with this is, is crazy and fascinating uh, at the same time. Um, all right. What are your all's memories? Uh, so Brennan, you mentioned uh, 2020, but I think of also like hard copy and inside edition and those like what you said, like basically yeah. tabloid shows, um, yeah. those tabloid type shows. What are some of your all's memories of either like satanic cult type stuff or stuff that was in the media or specific? I, I've got a, quite a few written down, but like your specific memories of this period of things that had to do with like 
um, either stranger danger, um, or of like just satanic worship and things like that. Cause I have, I have a couple of really funny ones, but I want to hear from you all. It's funny. I, I talked a little bit before about the, the memories from Agnes are the ones that stand out the most to me, like the mocking <laughs> of it. I don't really, I remember vague references, like probably like a thing, like a Phil Donahue show or a, you know, hard copy or whatever, like the preview for it while watching something else, but it, it never grabbed me. And I don't, honestly, I don't ever remember my parents mentioning a word about it ever. Um, maybe once they said, you know, <laughs> don't get in a car with a stranger, but I don't even remember that, honestly. And I think because it was not a thing in our house, like my parents were never like- like Giving just, decent advice, like don't yeah, get in the car with a yeah. stranger. <laughs> But there was never any hysteria or we, they never really got sucked into any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, They're pretty level-headed. Yeah. It was just not a thing. I never had any like fear of being around or in a situation where I would, you know, things would trigger or I thought, Oh shit, I was worried about this. Like, and maybe I was naive, but it just was not a thing for me at all. Honestly. I kind of resonate with that a lot. And I mean, obviously, uh, in our you know, even younger days, I think when some of this was pertinent, um, Dave, you and I hung out a lot in the, in the mm -hmm. same neighborhood and so forth. And a little bit later on you, Jason, but yeah, I'm kind of with you, man. I, I was going to ask you, like, dude, I don't know. Did, did we tell scary stories in the dark and, and shit like that? I, I, don't I don't remember think so, any of so much. No. Um, the, the one thing that did pop into my mind was, um, I remember, I think it was uh, Carrie Burring, David Burring's older sister, you know, like four yeah. or five years older than us, something like that, um, mm. said that in their neighborhood, like, uh, I don't know, something like, you know, you, you look in the mirror and say Bloody Mary or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bloody Mary like 10 times and it happens. And, or they, you know, a bunch of kids get around you and lift you off the ground with their fingers or something like that. Like that shit happened in their neighborhood. And there was the... Um, the scary cat lady house um right around the corner there i don't know if you know that in villa hills but i think it might even still like be just like just shitty overgrown house in a like otherwise normal neighborhood <laughs> yeah. um and there were a bunch of cats around so um yeah two plus two equals satan in that case i think uh, <laughs> and, and good math I always, I always pictured like behind their house like the neighborhood kids being able to like lift somebody off the ground and that's about as far as it went like my little yeah. imagination i remember watching the exorcist when i was like seven years old and being like this shit's goofy yeah. um yeah. I, I thought like i don't know <laughs> tom and jerry were scarier um and uh i don't know man so like yeah I, it didn't really like enter into to my childhood my mom wouldn't let me get a mega death cd one time which i'm not even sure exactly why i wanted it anyway but, i was gonna uh, say no, major the, the there, I don't think. <laughs> no, no, I think the name Megadeth kind of intrigued me. Kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Um, and I don't even know if they were supposed to be in any way evil. I feel um, like all those were just lumped in by, you know, the hey, general. I, I will take this opportunity to say I love Black Sabbath. Their lyrics are ludicrous and dumb, <laughs> but uh, and, and, and spooky and Satan y. Um, but goddamn, I love that music. So, <laughs> just want to make sure you guys were aware. Yeah, for the record, oh, I I, yeah. I got some stuff about Ozzy in my uh, 
post Sabbath Ozzy, uh, in, in my next little, little part here. But, uh, so I, I always lump, you know, I, I never had any sort of like, obviously like firsthand experience. You, you all know my mom, so I, I don't need to, Lovely, lovely lady. She yeah. she she, well lo- she loves her some Jesus, and uh, she I think was the typical parent that got caught up in this uh, for all the reasons that we mentioned earlier. Um, but a couple of things I I meant I, I think about when I think about this, and I sort of lump them in with this. So like razor blades in apples on trick or treat. Or like candy that's laced with LSD, uh, fake tattoos that had like LSD in them, um, <laughs> and these are all things, urban legend or not, all yeah. things that I remember my mom. T- and the reason they put LSD in it is because then they would kidnap you and brainwash you and turn you into a Satanist, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, that was the logical progression <laughs> of things. So. Yeah. Imagine if your mind was mind was open that much when you were like six years old. Oh, like, it was you, open that much when we were six years old. Like you didn't need drugs. Well, actually, you didn't ooh, need yeah. drugs because that's where it was. There was no ego then, uh, so it, yeah, it the just was. Network, man. Um, so, but but going back to this, you know, um, I did read something, and I I, I should have gone back and confirmed it somewhere else. That said that the 1980s is when they started putting missing kids on the backs of milk cartons. Um, and so I, again, th- this idea that like kidnapping was rampant, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like kids just walked out of the door and people were just like driving by, like scooping kids up, like giving them candy with LSD and then taking them to Satan satanic cults. Like that was, that was sort of like the picture that was painted for me. Um, if, if, if you did certain things, if you did other things, you had nothing to worry about. Like play baseball in the backyard. Yeah, that's a good wholesome American activity, and and that's the that, only person that's going to kidnap you then is your basketball coach, Mike Arnold. Exactly. <laughs> We're learning a new zone defense, boys. You can't come. <laughs> I'm on the team. You can't film. come. <laughs> uh, True story. <laughs> it. I do. I also do remember one story from the news. So, like, there was a teenage suicide. It wasn't in like Northern Kentucky or anything, but it was, it was national news and the kid's parents found this like, uh, you know, some metal CD, heavy metal tape. And the lyrics were like, suicide's the only way out. Go ahead and blow your brains out. And the kid like shot himself. And my mom was like, you can never listen to this music. It will make you kill yourself because that's what the (laughs) devil wants. And I was just like, all right, I can't wait to go over to my cousin Nick's and listen to some Guns N' Roses and Queensryche and Poison and, you know. The alternate else. explanation is somebody was suicidal and found their way to things that, you know, sort of echoed what they were thinking uh, in their head that might have happened. Anyway, no, but oh, no. Anyway. No, 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 no. But no, what no. if he was listening to Amy Grant instead? <laughs> baby, baby. baby. <laughs> the stars are shining for you. Yeah. Quasi Christian, easy listening. Nobody's blowing their brains out for that shit. I don't know, man. <laughs> you put well, that shit on repeat. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, so when you all go, like just think back on that period, and again, I, I was trying to draw in like anything. It wasn't something that there was like. I remember her 
talking about certain families of kids in our neighborhood. There was one, one, one family called the Hensleys. And she was like, you stay away from those boys. They're no good. And I always wonder what she meant by that. And I believe in the fight with every fiber of my being, she's like, they're Satanists. They would, they would do that to my kid. <laughs> like, so, um, you know, I, I it, they listened to heavy metal and hard rock and like drove Camaros and had long hair and tattoos and, um, you know, like the most normal form of suburban rebellion possible, but probably that seems pretty fucking awesome people. Um, but yeah, so, you know, those were my memories of it, uh, of like how it impacted me as like a young kid in the eighties, this, this satanic panic, but there was never any, you know, as far as I knew, there was never any crazy, like, um, accusations outside of the Catholic church going on in, uh, Northern Kentucky or surrounding like kids and schools and daycares and stuff like that. Um, but I could I do, be I was going to say, finish your thought, Jason. No, it, it, I, I just don't remember that. No, the one thing I do, the more we talk about it, I do kind of remember like a year or two period where like the Ouija board and like the, the sort of, um, <laughs> everything surrounding it it was you know mysterious but also sort of forbidden by a lot of parents i do remember that like sort of being a thing like i actually remember it at like family parties with my, like my cousins we'd go in the basement and do it or i don't know we'd get together with friends it was like sort of like oh don't let anyone know and there there were always like there was always the one person leading the charge who obviously was like you know moving the thing around oh, to, like, yeah. spell something out but like that stuff uh, my bullshit detector on that stuff from the start was like you're like you're yeah, right. shit you're moving this around like no one believes this right but i do remember it being controversial and i think that was probably the most real example of any of this like in my maybe life. and and probably the most appealing thing about it because i mean it, it's a fucking stupid thing it's a, <laughs> it's so it's ridiculous a it's yeah. A mag- yeah. it's how a long can i hold magnifying. your attention before you're like all right everybody yeah i know who, yeah who, who do you worship let's try it again yeah <laughs> it is quirky right and i love that they had yes I'm, or no on it are you still there <sighs> you like everybody's hands whoa it's funny though. I do have. I I will never forget one prediction that it was a, a maybe it was an Easter or something with my family, and my cousins were all doing it. And I remember one of the things that they spelled out was that one of my cousins was going to die on her twenty first birthday, and I never, even though I didn't believe it for one second, I knew it was total bullshit. I I never actually forgot that, and I was kind of like. Like when she got past that, I was kind of like, there was a small part of me that was kind of like, eh, glad that didn't happen. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I don't story where one of your, one of your fucking cousins died on their 21st birthday. No, it was bullshit. It. Not, but it is, oh. it, it, it is some window, like, even though like. I thought you were going to redeem yourself after like, yeah, I never experienced any of this shit. No, no, like, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. This is predicted by a Ouija board in a basement <laughs> in Teller Mill and, you know, yeah. you know. 1991 yeah uh yeah <laughs> but it did stick with me which i no, think go on go on with your boring non-story yeah no that's <laughs> it yeah my only point was the fact that i didn't believe a fucking that's word of it um i i still remember 30 years later some stupid thing that it spit out so you know 
there is some power to it. I I, I mean I. I don't think it would have taken hold as much as it did if there wasn't, uh, you know, something, I don't know, deeply seated, some fear or some, some nerve that it hit on and like, like that can't be true, but could it be true? I hope it's not yeah. true. So let, let's get into actually what the, the panic was. Like, are they just afraid that people are running around like, worshiping that i mean if you're just worshiping the devil in your basement what the fuck does that that doesn't impact anybody that that wasn't the issue the issue was that there was a rash of child molestation claims of child abuse claims of things that were done um all in the name of the dark lord and basically the the point was that um you know, the only way that someone could be this horrendous would be is if uh, they followed the devil, they worshiped the devil, they were uh, part of a cult of some sort, a, 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 you know, a satanic cult. And so you get this book that comes out in 1980, Michelle Remembers, and it's a memoir. I use that term loosely because it turned out it was all discredited. Um, none of it happened, but a James Fry memoir. Yeah. <laughs> she, uh, Michelle remembered that all of these terrible things happened to her, um, that a cult had, uh, seduced her and done all these weird sexual things to her. And so this memoir comes out and then they start just giving it out to social workers to, you know, in, in training for all these people, psychologists and uh, it's standard reading in like college classes and stuff like that. And so they're like, Oh yeah. So people are going to repress these memories. If, if things like this happen when they're little, they're going to repress these memories. And so they're never going to, they're never going to come clean with it. We've got to like draw these memories out. Well, if you suggest something to, I, I have a four year old right now. Um, if I suggest something to him more than like twice that something happened, the third time he'd be like, dad, remember when that happened? So I mean, <laughs> the power of suggestion with the kids as young as they're talking about is absolutely absurd. So after this book comes out, you start seeing these accusations, 83, 84, you start seeing these accusations pop up. And the first one is in Kerr County, uh, in Bakersfield, California. And basically what happened here was that, um, Two girls uh, had been coached by a grandparent in this case, like told this story. Um, the grandparent had a history of mental illness, um, and they told about all these strange occult sex acts, which were weird about like people hanging from hooks and drinking blood and sacrificing babies. And yet there was no sacrificed babies anywhere. And yet there was no like missing babies that had maybe been sacrificed or anything like that. Um, and so th the police kept following all these and 26 people ended up in jail in Bakersfield, um, in, in, in connection with these, these crazy ass stories, um, zero corroborative physical evidence of any of the claims. Uh, and nearly all of those were overturned. Um, the one dude, John Stoll spent 20 years in jail, um, <laughs> The, Scott and Brenda Kiffin sentenced to 240 years in jail. 
their sons were coached. They, they served 12 years, and then their sons recanted, and they were like, yeah, we were told to say this by, by these people. Um, most of these kids have recanted their stories and were actually more traumatized by the false memories created than they were by anything that actually happened to them of course. Uh, when they were young. Um, well, because but like you said, man, when you're that impressionable, like that becomes your reality. So if you think you were molested that much, like I, I, I don't know if it, it's, it's equal to, but it, you know, it, it goes down that line a bit to real trauma. You know, if, if that memory is real to you in that case, then, and that perception kind of becomes reality, right? Yeah. And if you sent your parent or your caregiver or your babysitter to jail yeah. as a result of that. Yeah. Um, nuts. Yeah. And it's very clearly a um, solution in search of a problem. So like they're convinced mm -hmm. something's going on and they're going to deal with it. And, you know, who cares about the actual evidence? And I think the beauty of, not the beauty of it, the sickness of these sort of things, again, which we see again today is it's very much set up that it's perfect. The response that you're going to get from a child when you ask them about it is this didn't happen, but we already told you that because it's repressed. So you got to dig way deeper. So when everyone tells you it didn't right. happen, that's just part of the issue. So yeah. you got to yeah, keep that, going. That's exactly man. what a molesting victim would say. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They've already built it in to how they t they've told right. them. Mm -hmm. The therapist, the police officers, the parents, your kid's going to say it didn't happen. But this is how it goes. Like it's, it's built into the whole mythology of it. So what? that's a dangerous game. It, that, it, and, and, that's, and that's the even crazier thing. So the, probably the most talked about and, and like the – most well-known story is this McMartin trial that happened. It went on for like five, six years. It started in 1983 and it was a preschool, the McMartin preschool. And basically that there was 400 kids and something like 350 plus of them claimed sexual yeah. abuse. And they were all interviewed by this lady who had zero credibility. She had no degrees. She was a welder. No background. Welder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 She was a certified that's a, that's a proud welder. crack. No psychological or medical training boasted a welding certificate as highest of all her credentials. Used questionable methods um, to uh, to interview these kids. Three hundred fifty nine out of four hundred determined that they were abused. Um, and so, again, zero physical evidence of anything. But th th these are my favorites. Um, so here, here are among the claims. This is great. <laughs> Daycare earners would flush them down the toilets that they had built secret underground tunnels to transport them to ritual ceremonies. Um, then they had to ritually sacrifice a baby and they could turn into witches and fly. Um, not quite as good as the later one where they talked about how they hired a jet to take them to Mexico. That's the uh, Dan and Fran Keller story. Sweet. Um, but yeah, they were, they were accused of like shuttling kids to and from Mexico all during the school day, you know, uh, to, to, to get brainwashed. And then 
But these are the types of accusations that people were up against. I mean, it had to feel Once like... Once again, part of this sounds like a like a great time, a field trip to Tijuana. Yes, yeah, so we... <laughs> yeah. no, right? I've been to Nogales, man. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've been there. Wild, wild time, the though. three of us have been there together once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's right, man. I got off at El Burrow Homes. And many drugs and I don't know what else. But was that time we bought the hat, or was that with Lucy? I can't remember if that was with you or with Lucy when I bought the hat. I bought a Stetson. I think that was with Lucy. Yeah, I think it was too. I don't remember. Uh, we definitely drank at that same bar both both times uh, we went down there. Yeah, what was that place called? The like, not the Paris. It had some real gringo name to it. No, but it's got. It, it had that that bar that was like imported from like it was like yeah. the bar was from like fifteen hundred in Spain. <laughs> they they brought like the whole bar there. I think it was from like the mid eighteen hundreds in Ireland, but something like that. Yeah, um, I mean, pretty close. <laughs> same thing, really. But you might be right. I'm not even calling. I, wrong on that. I, I, ju- um, I just remembered I had a really old ass bar that was from Europe and uh I Yeah, yeah. And we, we met that dude. D- Dave, I think you were with us when we met the guy, the super old guy that like imported uh tequila in the tanker trucks, like drove during prohibition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How about that? Yeah. I had his business card well, might, up until like might have been the couple years Pacifica ago. tequila that we were drinking. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And I was still uh, I was still hung over from Vegas, I think. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I forgot about that. Oh, boy. Yeah, Jason and I both uh, yeah. had it rough at uh, different points on that trip. <laughs> yeah, I, I hit that wall, man, while we were yeah, still there. You hit it the next day. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Well, we, we clearly, uh, had anyone seen us in public during this time, would clearly would have been dubbed Satanist. And uh, just based on our general demeanor and disposition, and yeah. uh, probably locked up and sentenced to at least 20 years in jail, um, is w- what happened with most of these people. It's it's nuts. The, the majority of them, the McMartin trial, um, w- they were the lucky ones. Um, I mean, they they tore down the building and everything like that. They lost everything they had, but they didn't go to jail. All these other ones, uh, the Dan and Fran Keller, they served 21 years in prison. Um, human dismemberment, hard to believe fairy tales, blood baptisms, blood Kool-Aid, plate, private airplane trips to Mexico on a daily basis. Um, and then probably, you know, the one that ha- has gotten the most attention because the HBO documentary series uh, is the West Memphis Three. And that sort of happened after um, the satanic panic of the eighties, but this stuff is all still fresh in the mind. And it was just three horrific, um, the murders of these, these horrific murders of these three little kids, like elementary school age kids. And, uh, they just blame these three teenagers without basically any evidence whatsoever. And it's super sketchy. There's, uh, there's three movies, these three paradise lost movies that document the whole thing. The guys eventually got out and like, I think it was like 2012 or 2013. Um, but it, it's absolutely insane um, that all of these things. I haven't seen those, man. Uh, you have a son. I, I started to rewatch one the other day. I had to turn it off like five minutes in. Uh, it's really disturbing, especially if you have young kids. Um, it's well, just, I, I cry at Geico commercials these days sometimes. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and watch it. But um, if, if you look up the Wikipedia article, 
article on it. Basically, the kids, and and this is what I was going to go back to. So it wasn't so much with the McMartin stuff, but a lot of these things, you know, it had to feel like 1692, Salem, right? Um, You don't like these people. Uh, These people are different. They are the people that are looked down upon in society. So women that were single in 1692 Salem, you're looking at like women that are single, people that don't go to church every Sunday, people like that that are being accused of being witches. It's the same thing in this. Um, a lot of times the kids were, they, they weren't jocks. They weren't the popular kids, the student council presidents. They were the kids that were the outcasts. They were listening to, you know, heavy metal. They were listening um, to, I got that Megadeth CD. Yeah, yeah. they they were playing Dungeons and Dragons. They were they were outcasts, right? So yeah. again, that idea of like otherism, we don't understand why you don't just do this, why you don't just toe the line. But there's definitely an otherism about all of this that specifically, you know, when you look at that West Memphis three case, um, that's exactly what happened. The three kids were like they dressed kind of goth and were, um, you know. Uh, outsiders in the community and they were easy targets um and even though there was zero physical evidence and in fact most of the like actual evidence they had contradicted the fact that they could have done it uh they're still convicted just because people wanted something to blame and these kids looked like they fit the bill um and unfortunately for for a lot of these people you know fitting the bill, having one or two things that was questionable in your background was enough to be like, well, yeah, they could, they could be devil worshipers. Um, and the coercing of the stories and, and everything else, sensationalization in the media, the, all of this contributed to a lot of people being locked up for like anywhere between 12 and 20 years for things that they had zero like zero way to prove that they didn't do, but that the prosecution had zero proof that they did do. And uh, that the burden of proof is on the other side. Yeah, it's yeah, on the prosecution, and, not the But defense. I think the, one of the big things with all of these, I mean, and, and this one in particular is the the claims are so outlandish and horrifying. And if all of this stuff actually was true, it's, I mean, it's disgusting and awful. So it sets up a really difficult challenge for naysayers or skeptics to argue against it. Because if you're, if you're saying it didn't happen, well, how do you prove it? But you know, if you're trying to diminish it or downplay it, you're a fucking terrible person. Do you not care about your kids? Do you not care about other people's kids? So they kind of set it up that it's very difficult to argue against. And again, I, it's still despicable what actually happened in courts that, that people would actually be convicted. But right. I think just in the general discourse, like what do you, you're, you're for, you know, child abuse, you're for, you know, kidnapping kids. Well, no, n- not at all. But I think what you're saying is bullshit. That's kind of a hard yeah, thing to argue. Somebody into a corner using some sort of moral high road. That yeah. They can't deny it. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you, you can't argue your way out of it. I, I thought that that Oregonian article did a great job um, of, of painting how the community sort of, you know, the, the Vox article was sort of a broad national view of it, but the Oregonian article sort of took the, the view of like, this is how a community got behind, like how a community was basically duped into this uh, almost. Yeah. And like how, how a string of things can sort of lead people to, you know, just buy into it. Um, and yeah. And so I don't know. It, it's, it's crazy that this doesn't, and, and the other, you know, the other um, 
topics that I threw out for you all as well. And sometime we have to get into the um, the CIA uh, drug tra- drug trade. It's you guys have to if you haven't seen Kill the Messenger, I, I highly recommend Kill the Messenger. Um, it's a biopic. Oh, Ma- Mark Ruffalo plays this journalist that broke this story for the San Francisco Gate. Um, but he tried to got break. Me a, got me a Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. It must be important. <laughs> Some uh, sort of corruption or evil. or <laughs> uh, it's, it's good, though. Kill the Messenger. Uh, check it out. Also um, exactly. But, but, but the, the, the interesting thing to me is like all this stuff is, is going on sort of at the same time, and everybody's focus is someplace else uh in all of this like the the national focus is on is on this and it's not on this other crack epidemic which is probably like if you want your kids to be scared for your kids be scared that they're gonna uh you know be successful and go become a coke addict or not be successful and go end up in the gutter and be a crackhead because that's everywhere right you know like a cracked egg in a skillet, this is your brain on drugs is not making any sort of impact on the, the craziness that's going on. And yet the stories that are being told are, but your kids are going to get kidnapped and yeah. they're going to well, brainwash. I think you bring up a good point about sort of misdirection though. Cause if you think about it from the other angle, who are the people that are really pushing these sort of stories? You, you talked about like the televangelists and the, the religious right. They have all the incentive in the world to create some sort of perceived evil that takes all the pressure and, you know, the view off of them. It's somebody else. There's problems out there. You need me. We're, I, I will save mm-hmm. you. I will solve this. But don't look behind my head. Don't look behind the curtain here yeah. at my mansions and planes and the bullshit I'm doing. Send me 40 bucks a month. Yeah, absolutely. And we will, we will fight this evil. We will look at all these terrible things. And, I mean, that is... I think that is absolutely a huge part of it. There's it's, a real cult right, right there. It, absolutely. They have every incentive in the world to create this straw boogeyman out there that mm-hmm. is deflecting attention from them, but also keeping the cash flowing. I mean, it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, Hell as old as time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, you're, I think you're spot on with that. Um, and that's, you know, the 80s to me is a, is a fascinating time to be born. We didn't really get to experience it, um, in which which I think makes it fun to delve into because it's all the stuff that was going on around. We were there, but not totally present. Yeah, yeah, when we were growing up. Like, would I be as outraged as I am about, you know, Trump, about Reagan, or about Mitch McConnell as I was, you know, was about yeah. politics during that time? Or if we shifted to something else, would I be, you know, as up in arms about this stuff as I am about, um, I don't know. Um, I don't know. God, this, this, so I, I, I think Dave, I think it was what you were alluding to earlier, but this just so reeks of QAnon that oh, <laughs> like the, child sex trafficking ring. Same and, thing. Like, <laughs> the, I mean, uh, do you think that, I mean, I don't, do you think that, QAnon can have the same like widespread uh, almost like acceptance that uh, the satanic panic kind of did. And I don't know exactly how widespread that was, but I think it was like pretty like well accepted that there was this element in society um, that was kind of satanic. Right. And um, it's the story. I, 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 
The story is not QAnon. The story is human trafficking. That human trafficking is the new satanic cult. That it's it's this ginned up story about how kids are being stolen from underneath their parents. And I think it's they throw out these stats of it's like eight hundred thousand kids have been, you know, trafficked. It's complete bullshit. There's like it's the the real number is like one hundred and thirty. You know, but this close. number's out there. Close. Yeah, yeah, close. Yeah, rounding error, I think, you know. Yeah, right. And I think it's, so, I mean, I would compare the, the QAnon in this situation as more, you know, one of the, I don't, I've, I've, I've thought a lot about this in the last day or so. I, I view these things in a, a couple, there's a couple levels of people who are involved in it. There's the top level, very cynical people who actually know the shit they're talking about is totally made up. Alex but they're, Jones. Right. That they, they, know, they know they're so pushing propaganda. They're pushing propaganda. Yeah. It's, it's the televangelists. It's the Alex Jones. It's to some extent politicians, for sure. I mean, they are actively oh, yeah. making this shit up and sending it out there, and they know it's, it's bullshit. Then I think probably the most important part is the, like, the people that just suck it up and become true believers. And they're yeah, the ones in the shoulders. 80s, yeah. maybe like they're telling all their neighbors, they're watching the local news and, you know, totally absorbed in it. Now it's the people who spread everything on every day on Facebook. They're save your children are at risk and well, don't take them anywhere. And these people are abducting, you know, and they're the ones that are really spreading it. And they, they believe it. And I'm not sure they realize that they've been sort of baited into it by, I don't think they, they do. They so, really so care about their kids and they're going to save the planet because this is a real yeah. problem. I know that that like dovetails with QAnon. Um, how prevalent do you guys know is like that fear and sentiment? Um, I, I've seen it. I, I know that it's out there, um, and I, I know that it resonates with a certain crowd. But I, I really don't know like how much. How much? Yeah, to, I guess to answer your yeah that question and what you said before is, I think it's hard for anything to break through like it did would have in the eighties. I mean, because you don't have there aren't. 20 million people watching Phil Donahue every day or 50 million people watching right. the, the um, evening news or Dateline or whatever. It's 2 million people or 3 million people. Yeah, was, was that yeah. like the height of like, kind of like that, like siloed Yeah, I mean, because it was, yeah. it was like the, probably yeah. in the 80s, it was CNN really came to be really popular in the, throughout the 80s, but really it was later, later mm-hmm. than that, probably even the OJ trial. So, yeah, I mean, I think you still had like a mono culture at that point. But now I think, you know, I mean, people, there's a certain set of people who get their news on Facebook. And I think this is where a lot of that stuff is extremely prevalent. I mean, hell, I've even seen it bleed over into LinkedIn, which is supposed to be professional. There's people on there all the time talking about, you know, how they spend all this time and energy stopping human trafficking. They're basically spouting QAnon bullshit in a professional environment. And I... And again, I think they're part of that second category of I'm not sure they really realize they're being totally fucking snookered by this stuff. To, again, to create it, it, a lot of it is to create an anti-immigrant, anti, you know, mm-hmm. this whole fear of you need certain you politicians that will solve these problems for you. Look, the solution's mm-hmm. here. And, you know, it, it sort of becomes this self-fulfilling narrative, but Man, I, I think it is very powerful with not a majority, but the people who are into it. I think 
it's I think it's a real thing for sure. Like they, to their core, they believe that eight hundred thousand kids a year are being. And again, it goes back to the point. Point if you really believe that, shit, you would do everything in your power to, to to stop it. But it's what totally it, made up. Dave, to your you know to your point, that's and and we've. Let, if you we take it back to another podcast we talked about in our conspiracy theory one uh when we were talking about these different things we talked about how like you know people just want an e there's got to be a more palatable answer for them that fits their worldview their current worldview they, they don't want to have to change their worldview in order to do that so what's the more palatable thing when in actuality probably the simplest explanation is the right explanation is the right. correct explanation but people don't want to hear that. They, they want to say, yeah, but that simple explanation doesn't jive with what I already believe. So what does jive? I bet I can find something that jives, especially now it's easier to find what that something is. Um, I don't think it'll ever get the traction that something like the satanic panic did because of what you're talking about, but the ability to spread it to three or five or 10 million people um, is probably easier than it was then um in in that sense in that regard uh especially in an idea that is not necessarily like mainstream um that's probably a little bit more out there and so those ideas that are a little bit more out there even i think are getting more traction um not as much but they're getting more than they would have during like something like uh the the 80s the other thing i'd add to that is that like you know you can almost look at it with the the whole like um war on Christmas, um, war on God in public schools, the war on like everything is against Christianity and against God. Like, uh, and, and that the liberal elites are are trying to brainwash our kids and education is trying to brainwash our kids by teaching them fucking science, by, by teaching kids science, we're brainwashing them. And also who's, who's anti-Christmas. Yeah. Who's stopping you from doing anything. Yeah. Right. No one ever. The Grinch. Christmas has only gotten more popular, more prevalent. The Grinch, his heart was too small. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's preposterous. But again, if if your general principles and things you believe in as a political party aren't popular, you have to ascribe negative things to a perceived opponent. Sure. To get people excited. Absolutely. That's what it is. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who are very good at that. And people just, they eat it up. They eat it up. Well, and that's that's what I come back to that sort of, for me, brings it full circle is that it, when you come down to it, the if I would list out for you five things, and I said social Darwinism, self-preservation, non, non-conformist, um, non-equality, self-serving you'd probably look at those things and and be like libertarian or gop (laughs) or satanist that's the exact (laughs) doctrine whereas if i like if you take the the name away from it and just say well these are the things the that they believe right be out yeah. for oneself, pursue your own happiness. Uh, don't feel guilty about it. Don't, nobody should make me feel guilty about being born white, ab- about having privilege, about doing, you know, I mean, all of these things, <laughs> like, again, I'll shoot I, you in the face with my guns. Right, <laughs> as I was reading through this stuff, I was like, 
man, how crazy would it be to have a Facebook post and be like, just list five tenants of the Church of Satan and next to it, five tenants of what I would believe is Christianity and just list those things side by side and just just post it and not say anything and say, which side are you? And, and not say left or right, not say Satan mm-hmm. or whatever. And then like five days later, be like, the five on the left are tenants of the church of Satan. The five on the right are like teachings of Jesus. And like, just like see how people react to that and be like, I'm, I'm not being an asshole, but like these, you say you're this thing. And yet, <laughs> yeah, no, and, I mean, and yet you're, you're ascribing to the exact thing that you say that you're, you're said to be against. I and, mean, the hypocrisy is ever present for sure. But it was, yeah, it, you're, it, you're not wrong, but I, I, I can't recommend less actually posting that shit on Facebook. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. No, 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 no. I'm, I've been off Facebook for uh, quite some I've, time. I have not been on in months. It's so freeing. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm on there and I have like six friends and a member of like vintage Japanese drum forums. Uh, that's no, like I mean, really uh, weird, weird stuff like that where it's a bunch of old nerds. Yeah. Uh, but like politics doesn't enter into it. It's about no. uh, uh, plywood that they use in drums and uh, <laughs> you know polishing techniques. But that's what that shit should be for. That's the beauty of like yeah. a network. Like go find the random fun things that people around the world would be interested in and connect with them. Absolutely. Yeah. So not what our stupid fucking high school acquaintances are posting about some crazy conspiracy they're all they're all blocked <laughs> oh yeah i've 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 uh unfollowed the Ugh. probably before i got off i i probably two-thirds had, of notre dame academy i, I probably <laughs> had more unfollowed friends than i had like people i was actually following. it was just like four people popping up oh, i definitely did so mm-hmm. i was yeah um but i, I you know I come back to this idea of otherism and, you know, that was the easiest way to phrase it in the 1980s is like the thing that we don't want is Satan. Like we know that. I think we could all agree on no Satan. Like in the eighties, that's what they're they're, they're saying. I I don't even know that they really meant that a little, I, I, maybe that's true, but I don't even think it, that was a convenient sort of, visceral way to describe some sort of enemy or other or whatever right in which you could bucket people that you saw as not worthy of being in your social network or whatever but it, i don't even think it was about good versus evil necessarily it was just no. about grouping other, and if, maybe that's where you're going with it it was just a convenient way to do that that's exactly where i'm so, going with it yeah. is that no but i i have a quote well can i jump in real quick yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. i just got like a, a question like not all of these people accused of this stuff were that different, right? Uh, Fran and Dan were just kind of your average, like, white couple, right? Um, like, I, I feel like people got lumped into this. Yeah, they were convenient. They convenient. Uh, kids, they're mole yeah. rat. Uh, and, I mean, yeah. you're breaking there isn't i realize that there's a lot of things leading up to that but i'm just not sure that like uh like all these people fit that profile of like uh people that we don't know or like and you know kind of do have that uh sort of unfamiliar profile and maybe i'm wrong i I don't know all 
uh, the profile of all these people, but what, you know, it seems like some of the personas were pretty benign. I a hundred percent agree. And I think that that is the danger in it is that the, the Fran and Dan Keller in the West Memphis three are the aftermath of the eighties. They're the people that get swept up in it. Uh, even though the West Memphis three, they definitely fit the bill of other and like, <clears throat> but <clears throat> sorry. Yeah. It looks like <clears throat> Billy Corgan wandering around. And sure. Backyard. Sure. <laughs> Which I mean, that would freak me out too. Come on. He's a weird looking dude. Also big <laughs> smashing pumpkins fan over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me too. <I> remember. <laughs> um, but, you know, going back to Dan, Dan and Fran, um, it doesn't matter really. Like, I, th- I think what Dave was saying is is 100% correct, that in some case, it's about, like, misdirection. If I can feel like I'm keeping my kids safe from this, then I can feel like I'm doing my job. If, if there's a, a perceived enemy that I know that is in the wrong, I think these people are just they got swept up in, in, in a byproduct. It's, it's a, it's a story that perpetuates itself and that can be strung out and, and run along and money can be made off of it. Uh, stories can be, you know, written ad nauseum about it. People are going to eat it up and it distracts from the fact that, you know, if you're not on wall street, you are probably having a pretty shitty time of it right now that <laughs> shit, that drugs are ravaging, uh, you know, the United States, uh, that poor people are worse off than they've ever been at that point. And so, you know, there was a lot of stuff to distract from. So if you're in the suburbs and you want to keep voting for the people that are in office, we can be like, well, we're protecting you from Satan. I mean, we're going to, we're going to make it so that these CDs are banned and your kids can't listen to satanic music. And we're going to make it that, you know, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to have all this stuff out there. That's this big dog and pony show. But for, for me, more than anything, uh, I, I, I can't believe how obsessed we became with it and how the criminal justice system failed so many of these people. Uh, that, that's what takes me sort of aback. Um, I don't think that the criminal justice system is going to get swept up with zero physical evidence and like just locking people up left and right for child trafficking because some QAnon nut job comes out and is like, yep, this guy, this guy's trafficking. I, I don't have any evidence of that, but he's totally trafficking. But what you, what are they doing now though? They all, oh, they're all, all crusaders. Police departments, they have human trafficking task forces. Oh yeah. You remember when Robert Kraft got busted getting a rub and tug yeah. in Florida? The headline that day was Robert Kraft caught up in human trafficking bust or scheme or whatever so they're convinced that that it's going on okay some immigrants who came in and again i'm not saying that there aren't some people in that industry that have probably felt forced into doing something they don't want to do but some people are just trying to make money and they go work at a massage place and they decide what they want to do or not but these people are convinced that they're all victims of some sort of trafficking and that's the story they've told themselves and that's where they spend literally the time and money and resources of departments to, you know, save the planet from these evil people like George Soros who are putting this whole thing in motion. I mean, it, it, it is like people actually follow up on this stuff. <laughs> I mean, again, we can all, you get the, it's a separate discussion, whether, you know, something like sex work or something is legal or not, but they're conflating things here to, and, and spending real money to do it. 
you sound like a Dutch communist with your <laughs> sex work advocacy. How many? Hey, please, no. How, how how many humans have you trafficked since you've been back from that wasteland? Hey, call call me AOC. She's making the same point recently. Sex work is work. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. Well, Oldest profession meet, on earth. Meet being a paramedic. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, it is, it's, I think there is a real reaction to these things in terms of, again, maybe it hasn't led to charges for people who are caught up in it un, unwittingly that aren't guilty of anything being put in jail. But I think there's a supercharged environment in law enforcement about all these kids are being taken from us. It's like, yeah, I don't think that's true. That, that I don't deny. I mean, Go ahead, Brennan. Yeah. It, it, well, no, I was good. I mean, there is a legitimate, like, and maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe I've been completely taken in. The wolves have pulled right over my eyes. Um, but, like, I mean, there is a legitimate human trafficking problem, like you said, Dave, where you know, immigrants are offered, you know, uh, essentially uh, prostitutional indentured servitude. Um, and get get trapped in that life. Um, yeah, I don't think it's rampant. I mean, it's not. It's a yeah, it's a real thing. List, but as as is, I mean, to a probably a much much lesser degree, you know, actual like kidnappings. But like, yeah, people aren't just going disappeared. No, and... that's the that's the beauty of it. There's enough truth to make it a compelling right. story that you can't argue against because. No doubt. I, guys, some people, I gotta go and make a Facebook post. Right yeah, now. exactly. <laughs> some people have either come into the country and have been sucked into it as their only way to survive and make money, or they've been brought in with the sole purpose of doing that. So, okay, there are some of those people, and to the extent that's a real issue, absolutely it should be dealt with. But the the QAnon save the children thing is conflating that with they will come to the mall and take your child or to your neighborhood and take your child and pull them into the system. And there is zero evidence of that happening right. at all. Right. At all. Right. Well, anyway, that, that, uh, that went to a place I wasn't uh, completely anticipating. I thought we were going to make the <laughs> QAnon uh, connection for sure. Because What's I, that? I, I said, I, I knew we would make that QAnon connection. I knew somebody was going to uh, point that out. Uh, or the child trafficking, just because I feel like that's a pretty fair parallel to make um and close but uh yeah i i just don't know that enough what 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 if what what if, what if the flip were true uh let's child trafficking aside now what if um what if there were like rampant satanists like <laughs> would things be that much worse off? <laughs> like that's what I'm trying to figure yeah. out because in, in the entirety of the 1980s and all of that stuff, there was no ritual sacrifice. There was no, like the, the cases of these things actually happening were so few and so benign when they were, um, it was like yeah. kids in the woods killing a rat with like in the pentagram with like, you know, like, because they heard about all this shit from John Stossel or some right? Yeah. Right. So, so I guess it, it comes back to, you know, us desecrating Bibles and doing things like it's almost kids poking fun at the stuff that they hear that ends up being 
then becoming the story. So the lie gets told so many times that kids are like, I guess this is what we do. We're, if we're acting out, I guess we're supposed to be uh, worshiping some devil and shit. <laughs> but so, it, isn't it also projection though? Like it's the classic case of maybe religious people who kind of know they're in a cult or like, so they must be doing the same thing. We're indoctrinating our people. We're putting them through seven rituals or sacraments or whatever. We're making them feel like they're a part of something they can't leave. They're doing it too, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's projection. I mean, <laughs> they're, they, you know, the, we know what we do to keep our own from leaving us. So at least they're hoping that's happening to others as well. At least they're hoping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, go, Brandon. Do you have some? Oh, I thought I I, th I thought you you piped in there. So, well, I I think that's about it for uh, Satanic Panic. Um, you know, the 1980s had a lot of interesting shit going on. Um, most of it unspoken. The stuff that was out in front of you uh, was Wall Street and cocaine and bad fashion and uh, a lot of decent music uh, a couple of great music and a lot of shitty music uh, all, all mixed in together and uh, you know what what we probably remember from the 80s the three of us being the ones that grew up in it uh, is definitely not the real story so um, it's gonna be fun to look into some of these other topics as well um, as I think they're, they're really fun as there was a multitude of worlds that were operating at the same time, mostly just like now rich and poor and haves and have nots and, uh, and things like that. But, um, the ethos that we see today, I think began to really spin out, um, in the 1980s. And, and that fascinates me almost just as much. So when we talk about the people that are, that are buying in and controlling, and, and we're still talking about the same factions of people and groups of people that are, that are buying in blindly or afraid of things for certain reasons or, um, or controlling things and, and manipulating people because they know that this is the way to do it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that the eighties is really a, a nice jumping off point for how we got to where we are uh, today making that connection. What else you guys got anything else about, uh, about Satan? I'll, uh, I'll end it. Like I started it. Hail Satan. <laughs> and save the children. <laughs> yeah.